0: Hey, good morning, everyone. What a great day it is today because the sun's out, but uh, being able to baptize those that uh, have committed their lives to the Lord. And those of you are are here today to witness that. We're so glad that you're with us today. And those of you are watching online, what a great day and uh, great worship today. And um, last week, Pastor Brand did such a great job with the Mother's Day message. And if you missed that, yeah, make sure you catch that online. We're down visiting our son who lives in Virginia Beach. He's an officer in the Navy, so we're there for Mother's Day and so glad to see Colby. We're actually able to stay... On the base, which I've never felt so safe in all my life being on the base. And there's a lot of different things you need to know when we're pulling, we had passes, but when you're pulling the base, especially at night, you're supposed to turn your lights off when you pull up to the security guard who has, looks like Rambo, just has all this. And uh, he kept doing this to me. I'm like, what is he doing? And I pulled up and I'm like, oh, I was supposed to turn my lights off. I'm glad he didn't flash his gun at me or anything. But, but we had just an absolutely uh, wonderful time uh, visiting uh, with, our, with our oldest son, Colby. We're so glad that you're here today. We're starting a new series. Looking at the 23rd Psalm, and we're going to take a, a, a really deep dive, line-by-line line study of the 23rd Psalm. This is probably one of the most recognizable Psalms and probably one of the most recognizable uh, passages of Scripture in all of the Bible. And when when we look at the 23rd Psalm, we're going to look at it a different way. And, and, and my prayer for you is that you would see this in a different light than normally what maybe you've just read through it and and, and, and tried to interpret it. But I really want to look at the 23rd Psalm through Contentment, because really the twenty-third psalm is all about finding contentment in the Lord. So let me ask you a question this morning: When are you most content? You know, is is it after a, a good meal? You have your favorite meal and your stomach is full, and you just feel content. For me, it's after a good brick oven. Pizza. I mean, that's not, uh, There's there's a there's a great Italian restaurant in the city of Rochester, and they actually have a brick oven pizza that's from Naples. It was imported from Naples, not not Naples down on the Finger Lakes, but actually Naples, Italy. And it's just it's just it's just muy bien. Oh, I mean that's Spanish. I'm sorry, molto bene. It's just molto bene. Um, maybe it's after a good cup of coffee. How many you like your coffee in the morning? You're, you're yeah. Come on. I, I mean, when you walk into church and you smell that. Jamaican me crazy coffee from Finger Lakes Roasters. I mean that that's oh that gets me going. Um, I like to have my cappuccino in the morning. We have an espresso machine Um, that 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 puts me into a happy place. Maybe you have a maybe you just have a happy place. The place that you like to go to. For me, it's in my small fishing boat on an eighty degree day on Sodus Bay. I mean that you just put me into that happy place. And maybe you have that 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 happy place. But why is it so hard for us to find? contentment. I think if there's one thing that we truly wrestle with in our lives, it's that area of contentment. In fact, recent studies have shown that we are struggling as Americans with happiness. In fact, what they said is Americans are the unhappiest they've been in over 50 years. Well, what, why, why do we struggle to find contentment in our life. And I really believe it's not having that great cup of of coffee or cappuccino or having that great brick oven pizza. It's a spiritual thing. We're struggling to find contentment in our souls. And we're searching for places to try to find that contentment that only gives a temporary relief to what we're striving for in our hearts. And what we're going to see in the 23rd Psalm is that David understands where to find contentment his contentment because David's life. If you understand his life was not easy. David made a ton of mistakes, pretty much broke all the commandments of God, But yet he can find contentment in the Lord, he can find forgiveness in the Lord, and he can find rest in the Lord even in the midst of difficult circumstances. In this study, what they found was very interesting. I read an article in Forbes magazine, and they said there was a a study that was done of those who use uh, a social media platform or specifically Facebook. And what they've, what they came to realize is, is they did this interesting week study with participants using Facebook for a week and then another uh, set of people staying off Facebook or social media platform for a week. Some of you are like, oh my gosh, really? I mean, some of you are on it right now. No, I'm just teasing. Yeah. And and what they found was this. They said at the end of the week, those who stayed off Facebook reportedly um, much a much higher degree of satisfaction with their lives and lower levels of sadness and loneliness. Go figure, right? Just a lower level of sadness and loneliness. And what the research discovered and what they concluded was that people on Facebook were 55% more likely to feel stress as a result of their online social media habits. Now, I'm not, I'm, listen, before somebody shoots something at me right now, um, I'm not here to make a commentary on whether or not it's wrong or right on social media. Um, I'm just giving you the facts here about our contentment. And, and where we can be careful in our lives to try to find contentment. Now, they came up with the reason why. It's because what happens is when we go online, we see what others are doing. And when we see what others are doing, because we usually post the really good things that we're doing, not all the mess-ups we make in our lives, right? Um, it makes us feel subpar about our lives, and so when we look at other people, and man, why do their kids turn out so great? Why are they doing so well? My kids are terrible, right? We, we get this feeling of my life and my family is subpar. And what it is, it's, it's, the, it's the comparison line. And what many researchers found out is that we actually need inner action. We, we need personal interaction with one another. And this is what we're going to discover in the 23rd Psalm is that David actually had a personal one-on-one relationship with his Lord. And even though his life many times was a train wreck and there was a lot of things going on, the enemies were pursuing him, he could find rest and contentment in his relationship with the Lord. So how do we find contentment? It doesn't mean that we're going to live without stress and difficulties in our lives because we all have that and we're all going to have difficulties in our lives. But here's the thing. Here's the question I want to ask you. How do we live within the tension of stress, yet find rest and contentment for our souls? Because many times we're looking for outward things to fulfill this emptiness in our hearts. See, we all want to be noticed. We all want to feel significant. We want others to make us feel significant in our lives. And I want you to realize that no outside thing or outside person or activities can truly bring satisfaction and contentment in your heart, in your life, like the Lord can. And that's what we're going to discover in the 23rd Psalm. And so this is one of the most familiar Psalms, and and I, and I want to look at it from the point of view, from the angle of contentment. And what does David have to say about contentment? When this psalm is actually sung, it's focused on how God personally takes care of us. Specifically, he calls us his sheep. So let's look at Psalms 23.1. It says this. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Let's all say that together. Ready? One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. So what David does is he compares the Lord to a shepherd, but not any shepherd, but he says it's his shepherd. And I want you to notice that the word Lord is in all capital letters. Now, this is really important. So when you're reading through scripture and when you see the word Lord in all capital letters, it's very important because it's the Hebrew name Yahweh or Jehovah, now, this is important for us to understand because the name Yahweh comes from the Hebrew, Hebrew word, I am. Now, this goes back to the relationship that God established with Moses. Moses is out in the wilderness. and sees this burning bush that's not, that's not being consumed by the fire. And God speaks to him through that bush. And God's going to tell Moses to go back to Egypt to release the children of Israel from bondage, from Egypt, and take them out to the wilderness to the promised land. So Moses asked God this question. He says, well, God, you know, okay, I'll go back. Okay, I'll I'll answer your call. But what am I to say to the Israelites? Who sent me? And God says to him, tell the Israelites, I am who I am. I am who I am. Yahweh is the covenant name for the God of Israel. This is Israel's God. It's a personal God. I'm different from every other gods that surround you. I am the Lord, the only God that is your God that will rescue you from Egyptian bondage. And so what David understands about the Lord is that the Lord is Jehovah. The Lord is Yahweh. It's his personal God. It's not somebody who's just out there, who's impersonal, who really doesn't care about our affairs or cares about what we go through. I want you to know that Jehovah God, Yahweh cares about what you're going through, like a shepherd cares for every individual sheep under his care. Jesus says, I will leave the 99 to seek out the one that has gone astray. And you may be here today and you may feel like the Lord has lost track of me. Maybe you're here today and you said, man, I I used to serve the Lord. I used to go to church a long time ago. Maybe you're watching online and you just feel like the Lord's lost track of you. I want you to know he is not lost track of you. He will leave those who are following him to go and rescue that one lost sheep. You are never alone, and he's never lost track of you. No matter how you may feel, no matter what circumstances you may be going through, no matter how much you feel disappointed by God, don't we all go through our disappointments? We all go through loss. We go through some type of sickness, We go through a sudden death that maybe we can't explain. And I'll be the first one to sit and tell you that I can't explain all those things. But I know one thing, that God is good and that he never leaves us or forsakes us. God commits himself to Moses by saying, I am your covenant God, and I am not going to desert you. I will be with you. Now, you may leave me, but I'm not going to leave you. I'm committed to you. This is the God that David knows and understands. This is why David can have confidence and have comfort and have a security knowing that the Lord is for him. And so we're going to dig deeper into David's life and and know where his confidence comes from and why he can have such uh, confidence and comfort in the Lord and contentment in the Lord because he is Yahweh. So Jehovah means the self-existent and eternal God. So we understand that David was a shepherd. He understood what it meant to take care of the flock. He understood that a good shepherd lays his life down for his flock. And we understand that God takes care of us as a good shepherd takes care of his flock. That's why David uses that illustration. So what David does is he compares God to this good shepherd, this personal God for David. He has this close relationship with the Lord. And David knows his sheep. He knows the personality of his sheep. He knows the one that's going to that's gonna go astray. He knows the one that's a little frisky, right? He knows all that. God knows everything about us, and he cares for us like his own. Now, I don't know how many of you have, have pets. Maybe you have a dog, a dog. Um, Hate to say it, maybe you have a cat. Sorry, but maybe you have a cat. Okay, um, and um, how many know that that nowadays we just don't have one pet. We have a lot of pets. Like I see people walking around our neighborhood. It's just not one dog. It's like. Eight dogs now, right? I got, there's this one neighbor, and she, they, when they run, they have the dog strapped around the waist, and it's running like, it looks like an Iditarod rod around our street with the dog. I said, I go, wait a minute, that's kind of cheating. Now, if I did that with our dog, Tulip, she's 14 pounds, white fluff dog, right? It would look ridiculous. It still looks ridiculous to me walking our dog because she's just a little foo-foo. But anyways, it's just people have a lot of pets, and you know the personality, right? They have personalities, right? They become one of your family? You, you like your pets? We like You like your pets? Except for Pastor Brandon. He can't stand his dog. Poor, 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 poor ranger. Anyways, he's such a good dog, too. Talk to... <laughs> no. We love our pets, don't we? We do. Some of you, if, if you're honest, can I be honest with you? Some of you, you could actually make a petting zoo out of your home with all the different pets. That, can I get an amen for those? That have? Yeah, we, 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 we love our pets. Our dog... Tulip, even if you mention the word walk, she goes nuts because she loves to go on walks. Now, so what we do is Kathleen and I will spell it out, you know, to, to fake her out, but that she, she can spell now. She, she knows doesn't even say that, so she gets all hyped up because she's so, she's so smart. See, David understands this. The illustration that David is giving us as the Lord is our shepherd is David is close to his sheep. He, he's going to protect them. He's going to watch over them. He knew the personality of each one of them. And I want to look at David's life and why David expresses that the Lord is this shepherd and that he lacks nothing. The reason why David understood this is because he himself was a shepherd. And David goes from keeping sheep out in the field by himself to facing Goliath. Now, the interesting thing behind this is David's out keeping his sheep. His brothers are on the field, and they're they're, they're faced with this huge dilemma as Israel is faced to fight the Philistines. Now, here's here's the dilemma. The dilemma is you've got the Philistines on one side, you've got the Israelites on one side, and David's father says to David, hey, why don't you go to the front lines and bring some grilled cheese sandwiches to your brothers, see what's going on there. So David goes, okay, he goes on, and what he sees is something that is really humiliating. And what he sees is this giant named Goliath. And what Goliath does, he stands between the lines of Israel and the enemy of Israel, the Philistines. And he mocks their God. And he mocks them. And this is going on over and over and over and over again. And so what David does is he sees this and he goes to King Saul. He says, I'll go out and I'll stand between the lines and I will fight Goliath. And I'm I'm thinking King King Saul's like, are you cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs? What is wrong with you? You're going to go and you're going to fight against no one. None of my best men want to fight Goliath. He is their champion, the Bible says. The Bible says that Goliath is the champion. Listen to the dialogue. And here's going to go back to why, why David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Why does David have so much confidence why is he secured to go against Goliath? Listen to what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 17. It said, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping sheep. So that gives him the qualifications to go and fight Goliath. Is David crazy? But listen to what he says. He says the reason why he had some experience. Now, was it experience in his ability? No. He had experience because he saw what his God can do on his behalf. Listen to what David says. Listen to the confidence that David has. His confidence is not in his and who he is, but in the God he serves, Yahweh, the self-existent, eternal God. He says, when a lion or a bear came to carry off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it. And I rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, I struck it, and I killed it. Mic drop, right? I mean, he's like, he's confident. I mean, he, th- I, mean I, I I can't imagine what King Saul's thinking. I'm like, are you kidding me? He says, and your servant has killed both lion and bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Go, David. Right? Listen to his confidence. He says, and this is the reason why. Because he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hands of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go, the Lord be with you. See, what did David understand? David understood it wasn't his power. It was the power of God that delivered him and this is the reason why here's the reason why he had so much confidence is he knew the character of God he knew Yahweh personally see he wasn't he was he was completely content in the lord he didn't he didn't rely on his own you know his own abilities and his own strength but in the strength of the lord and that's why he was able to fight goliath David's confidence was in the Lord, not his abilities. So what David does is he goes to the front lines and he stands against the champion the Bible calls Goliath of the Philistines. Now literally what champion means, it's one who stands between the battle lines. So day after day, Goliath goes in between the battle lines of Israel and the Philistines and he mocks them and he trash talks them. And the thing that David sees that upsets David is what Goliath is saying to the Israelites and how he's mocking their God. See, David had a personal relationship with Yahweh, and that bothered him. Now, when I'm out and about, and you are too, if you watch any, any show now or movie, there's always some language in it, right? And... Um, You know, you'll be standing in the store. And one time I was at Wegmans and there's a much older lady than me standing behind me and just letting the F-bombs fly. And I'm like, whoa, where are we here? Wow, okay, let's, okay. You know what? That doesn't bother me as much. And I'm not here to judge. And I didn't turn around and say, thus saith the Lord. Hell is hot and it's long and you're going to enjoy it. I didn't say that, right? Um, But you know what does bother me? Because when someone uses the word Jesus haphazardly or in vain, now, once again, I'm not here to be self-righteous or to judge someone else, and I understand they don't understand Jesus, maybe in a way that they should understand him. You see, the reason why David was offended is because it was his God. It was his Lord. The reason why when I hear something on television or I hear someone out in public say, you know, Jesus Christ in a demeaning or or just a casual way because that's my savior. And I understand that he died for me and I understand that he gave his life for me. Once again, I'm not trying to judge that person, but I understand him personally and I understand what he did for me. Now, if someone were to use my wife Kathleen's name in vain or, you know, in a harsh way, I would be offended because I love Kathleen. I would give my life for her. She's my wife. Does that make sense? See, for David, this is a personal God to him. And he's seen this representative of the Philistines mock God's people and mock the Lord. And that, and that bothers him. That, that's offensive to him because he knows his, who his Lord is and he knows him personally. And so daily, Goliath would come in the battle lines and trash talk and And Goliath is described as this champion, literally the man of the betweens. It's a person who steps out and fights between two battle lines. So David becomes, for us, for for the Israelites, what he does is he becomes this champion. He becomes a true Israelite. He defeats the enemy that stood in his way. So David comes with his stone, hits him in the forehead, drops Goliath, goes there, cuts his head off, you know, some of you are like, that's in the Bible? Yeah, it's cool. I'll read it sometimes. It's really, it's some neat stuff in there. And so he, he defeats this symbolic representative of God's enemies. And what David does is he goes, and now he becomes the champion of Israel. He goes in between to fight for Israel. Now, I don't want you to miss this. This is a perfect picture of what Jesus Christ ultimately did for us. Jesus is the man in our, on our behalf. Jesus is our man between... He stood between us and the judgment of God, between us and eternal death. He faces the fury of sin and death and conquers it for us. Jesus becomes our champion. In Christ, we lack nothing. That's why David could say, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Jesus is our champion. He fights on our behalf. If you feel insecure, if you feel beat up, if you feel like you don't feel accepted, if you feel like you're trying to find your identity through your job and the things of this world and it leaves you empty, Jesus is your fulfillment. Jesus completes us. Jesus does everything on our behalf and we lack nothing In Him, there is nothing in this world that can ever satisfy you like Jesus Christ, because He fulfills our deepest needs and our deepest desires, and that's to be known. That's for someone to say, "I know you," and you're not going to find that on Facebook and from any other people. You know, it's, it's all temporary. Jesus comes to this earth to give His life for us, so that we can know God personally. You know, so we, we talk about religion and, and you know, what does it mean to be religious and should we be religious or not re- religious. Let me just say this. Jesus didn't come to set up another religion. He came to have a personal relationship with you. David had a personal relationship with Yahweh. Jesus came to do for you what we couldn't do for ourselves. And that's overcome our sin issue. And all of us are separated from God because of our waywardness of our sin. And Jesus came as the man between to fight for you and give his life for you so that we could now have a relationship with God, that we could know him personally, that God receives us and knows us in spite of our waywardness and our sin. He gives us his son to cover our sins so that we could now be in a right relationship with God. Jesus fights for us. He is always there for us. He will never leave us or forsake us. And so David understood this. And that's why David describes God as a shepherd, the one who fights for us. He understood that God would always take care of him. And I want you to notice something here. This is really interesting, how Jesus actually describes himself. And we see this in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 10 verse 11, Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd does what? He lays his life down for his sheep. That's how much he cares for us. And I want you to notice there, I am. Notice Jesus says, I am. The same language. That God says to Moses, tell Israel, I am is sending you. The meaning is self-existent and eternal. Jesus is God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus is God. He's saying, I am God and I lay my life down for you. And so Jesus is our true, true champion. The name Jesus is interesting because it's, it's an English translation, but it's derived from, uh, from the Latin form of the Greek and Aramaic, which actually means Yeshua, which literally means Yahweh saves. The word Jesus means Yahweh saves. And this is why David can say, I lack nothing or I want nothing. David's contentment in the Lord is that his understanding is that God takes care of us, that God will save us. And the ultimate fulfillment of that is through Christ Jesus. It also carries the idea that in his care, I am fulfilled. That's why David could say, even in the midst of this enormous army before them in this enormous giant before them and all the other things that David had to go through in his life he could say the Lord is my shepherd I lack nothing because he had a personal relationship with his God so the idea here that the Lord is my shepherd I lack nothing is all about contentment. and one commentary says it this way I must decide not to desire more than what the Lord my shepherd gives let that sink in just for a moment I must decide not to desire more than what the Lord my shepherd gives. See, the proclivity of my heart is to want more, to want more, to want this to satisfy me. Listen, when our contentment is completely in the Lord, we are satisfied, and everything else is just the cherry on top of the sundae. See, God wants to say, Do you trust me, even though you may not understand? Even though you may not understand what you're going through, do you trust me as your good shepherd? that I'm not going to leave you or forsake you, that I will provide for you, that I will be with you, we can trust the good shepherd. And Paul gives us the secret. The apostle Paul gives us the secret to contentment in Philippians chapter 4, when he says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it means to, to have plenty. But I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ, through him who gives me strength. See, Paul understood that whether he had a lot or he had nothing, he found his contentment in Christ because it was Christ who gave them who gave him the strength to get through whatever he needed to get through because he knew his God was faithful and he knew he was a good shepherd and he knew he would take care of him. See, Paul could rest in the fact that Christ was with him in all the circumstances of his life. In order to truly have Christ as our shepherd, we must act like sheep. Complete dependence. See, I know for me it's easy to want to go my own way or to chase after this thing to find fulfillment over here. And the Bible describes us, Isaiah describes us as, as as sheep who have gone astray, each of us wanting to do our own thing. And that's what we're like. But Jesus comes to gather us back in and to say, I'm the fulfillment of everything that you're looking for. You're never going to find it in this world. See, in order to truly understand this and know this, we have to be completely dependent on the shepherd. There, in his presence, we'll lack nothing and we'll be content. So let me ask you a question today. Are you at peace today? Are you at rest today? What are you worried about today? When you lay your head down at night on your pillow what's keeping you up what's the real that you keep rewinding in your head what's the thing that you're worried about today I want you to know that the Good Shepherd will take care of you he is there for you he wants to give rest to your soul like nothing else can See, it's hard because we live in a world that is so distracting. Once again, I'm not saying social media is wrong, but if our whole attention is in there and we're trying to find satisfaction there and and we're distracted by this, distracted by that, it's hard to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd speaking to us that's saying, Barden, be at rest. I am with you. So unless I'm in his presence and listening to him, And feasting from his word, something else is going to take that place and it's going to distract me. And it's going to cause this discontentment in my heart wanting more and more. And then that unrest comes into your life. Do you realize that you can be at rest and that you can be content in your soul even with the hurricane going on around you? You can be at rest knowing that the good shepherd is taking care of you. That's why David could say, the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord, Yahweh, self-existent, eternal one, my God, and I lack nothing. There is nothing, listen to me, church, there is nothing we lack in Christ Jesus when we follow him. Right? You may not have the biggest house, I may not have the biggest bass boat, but we lack nothing in the Lord and let me tell you something whether people say it or not they're looking for rest and you're never going to find it in this world Jesus wants to be your peace today he wants to give you rest today he wants to be your good shepherd today he's desiring us to follow him and all he has for us is good That's all he has for us is good doesn't mean your life's going to be perfect that everything's going to work out the way you want it to work out, but he will give you rest and he will give you contentment that whatever situation you are in, you can find the strength of Christ to work through it and to walk through it and to know that God is with you. That's a good feeling so that when you put your head down at night on your pillow, you can rest knowing that you're in the hands of the good shepherd. Listen. The things of this world my nice espresso machine is going to be in the garbage dump one day right but the Lord is an eternal God that he will forever be with you and be with me that's our hope that we get to be with him forever where is your trust today and are you at rest or are you discontented and are you restless today trust the Good Shepherd put your life in the hands of Christ and you will find rest and forgiveness and peace with God. Amen. Amen. Father God, as we just bow our hearts before you today, I know there's so many things in this world that that just distract us and vie for our attention. But I thank you, Lord, that you are that shepherd, that good shepherd. You are the Lord God. There's none like you. And I thank you that through your Son, Jesus, we can know you personally, that we can have our sins forgiven, and that we can be in a right relationship with you through everything that Jesus accomplished for us through the beautiful work on the cross. And I pray for anyone here today, Lord, that is just anxious, that is allowing. Anxiety and stress to overtake their life because they're looking for things in this world to try to settle their soul and it will not do it. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the Prince of Peace, that you've come to bring us rest. Rest from all the things in this world that so easily distract us and vie for our attention. And I pray that we could find that in our lives to say, God, I'm I'm laying my life down to you that I could say that I lack nothing. When we are in Christ Jesus, we lack nothing. So I pray, Lord, that you would just take our anxieties and the things that we strive after to try to find significance, that we would lay those at your feet, that we would find ourselves in your presence, and that we would find your presence in our life and our heart that would guide us and lead us and, and give us peace, no matter what we may face, that we would find the peace of Christ in our life knowing that you're taking care of us and that you are a good shepherd. Help us to rest in that today and to trust you with it. Even when the future is unclear and foggy, we can trust the good shepherd that he is going to lead us, that he's not going to leave us. We thank you for that. Thank you for the truth of your word that speaks volumes to your goodness and your faithfulness to us. We love you and we thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name, in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Can we thank the Lord this morning for his word today? Amen. He's so good. Oh, God's so good. He's so good. Listen, um, we're going to just exciting time of baptizing those who have committed their lives to Jesus. And uh, what baptism is for those of you that are here today or may not understand it. Uh, This is an example that we see in the Word of God, that those who trusted Christ with their life as an outward sign to the world, that they're now identifying with Jesus through his death and resurrection. So it's symbolic. Us going under the water is symbolic of us dying to ourselves, dying with Christ, and what he accomplished for us through the cross, through his death, and then raising up anew with Christ Jesus, that we know that Christ is alive today, that Jesus conquered sin and death, through the cross and through his resurrection. And so it's a symbolic act of telling others, I now identify with Jesus, that I want to be a follower of him, that I identify with Jesus through his death and resurrection. So I am so glad that you are here today to witness that. And those that are watching online, those that, that you came to watch this today, I'm so glad that you're here. And for these, for these that are being baptized, what they're saying is, I follow Jesus. And I want others to know what Jesus has done in my heart and my life getting baptized doesn't save you it's just a symbolic act of saying listen this is what Jesus did in my heart and this is an outward sign of what Christ did in my heart and I'm now a new person in him my sins have been washed away and I've been forgiven and I'll live with him forever so it's a very very powerful thing and by the way the tank is very warm this time around last time it was like 60 so it's very warm today so we're excited about that but I wanted to pray for, for those that are being baptized real quick and thank you all for coming to Witnesses. In just a moment, we'll sing this song in closing and then we'll baptize those to conclude the service today. So Father God, thank you for those who have made that decision to follow you, to give their life to you, Lord. And now they're taking that step of faith by saying, Jesus, I, I'm trusting you. I believe that you are my Savior, that you died for me. That's through your death that my sins are covered that are washed. I'm washed anew and clean. And that this is an outward sign of what you've done in my heart and my life that I now identify you with you through your death and resurrection. So, Lord, I thank you for these who are taking this step today and those that have come today to watch and they're witnessing it today. Lord, may we just glorify you that you change lives. You make all things new. Thank you. Thank you for a new start. Thank you for a new heart and we give you the glory in Jesus' precious name, in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, amen, amen. Would you stand with me? We're gonna prepare to.